to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31. Listening to the Holy Spirit. It seems like almost today where it's almost like a novel kind of thing, but that's exactly what God wants us to do. He speaks to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And I will tell you this. Sometimes I've been asked, well, how do you know it's the Spirit versus, you know, what I want or whatever? I can tell you this. The Holy Spirit will never lead you in any way that goes against His written Word. Right? The Holy Spirit cannot lead you in any way that is contrary to the teachings of Jesus and God and His Holy Word. And so that's always a good litmus test. Right? And I will tell you this, the Holy Spirit is also persistent. And I've been praying, Lord, are you sure this is what you want? You keep praying. And you know what? Listen twice as much as you talk. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you if you are truly one of His. Amen. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 31. We're going to read verse 6. Would you please stand to your feet? I got wires hanging down. I got all kind of craziness going on here. I got a mess. You ever just feel like you're a mess one? Like, you know, just, you know, just, you ever just had one of them days where I buttoned up my shirt wrong this morning? That's kind of how it got started. I bought this new shirt. Listen, I shop well. Got this at Tractor Supply on sale, baby. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you know you're a redneck when you shop for clothes at the tractor supply place. Right? Got me a Carhartt belt and whatever, who made this shirt. And uh, boy, life was good, eh? But I buttoned it up wrong. I'm trying to get ready, trying to take care of Pops this morning, you know, before we kind of head out. And I'm just thankful right now that we can, you know, we, we can still during the day sometimes get away for an hour or two um, and just keep praying uh, for us. I know some of you guys are, are experiencing the same thing as well. Uh, it can be difficult, but uh, we just take every blessing that he gives us and just trust him for the rest. Amen. So I was rushing around, got looking in the mirror. I'm like, what in the world? They sold me a bad shirt. That's what I thought. I said, tractor supply selling seconds, right? Did I get this at Gabe's or something? When the world's going, right? And then I realized I had, uh, I buttoned it up wrong. You know what's bad when it takes your senile 76-year-old pop? Boy, what's wrong with that thing? <laughs> you know it's bad. But let me tell you, life in the presence of God is good. I get exceptionally frustrated when folks will, especially on social media, you know, when the Lord answered my prayer the way exactly what I wanted, God is good. Well, anybody can say that when you got what you wanted, right? I mean, I got a new truck, brand new Dodge. Man, hey, man, God's good. Yeah, He's good. You got a brand new Dodge. Now you wouldn't say that for Chevrolet. You know what you say then? Lord, what'd you give me? <laughs> kind of like Adam. That woman you gave me. I want you to know, regardless of what you're going through, God is good. All the time. 
he's always there. But I feel today that God wants you to be encouraged. And this passage, I'm sure you've heard. I'm sure you've seen it before. But we want to look at it a little differently today. We want to look at it in context of what's happening. Because when we see this, the first thing we're going to do, yeah, he may be courageous. But why did God have to tell him that? What else was going on? You see, we love that. Be courageous when we get ready to go. We're ready to storm hell with a water pistol. You know what I'm saying? What was happening? I really want to look at this verse in true context of what God was really saying. And I believe when we look at it in context, we'll see how much this really reminds us of life here. Because right now, we trust the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I must go, but, but there'll be another one come, the Comforter, the Paracletos. And we have to live with the leadership of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to guide our lives. But one day, one day what we trust with our heart, we'll see with our eyes. But until then, we must trust Him. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6 says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we so thank you, Lord, so much, Lord, for your presence here. Lord, we thank you for, the, for your presence that we felt uh, as we worshiped in song. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the, Lord, for the, the miracles and, and the way that you've led our sister and how you've been in her life. And so, Father, we pray today, Lord, now as we go into, Lord, worship in the word. Father, we pray that our hearts be open that you will speak to our hearts today, that we will be encouraged, Lord, and lifted up. Because we know that you are near, that you care, and that you are always faithful. And Lord, we are eternally grateful. And we pray this in the name of your beautiful son, Jesus. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Is it a bad sign when your wife gets up and walks out when you get ready to preach? I don't know how. I don't know if that's a, that's a bad sign or not. I apologize. I get myself fixed here. This is uh, the book of Deuteronomy. Some theologians say that we know that Moses wrote the book or at least cited the book, and he probably had help with the actual writing part. We know that Paul did that from time to time where he would write and they would write it down for him. But this is the address of Moses to the people of Israel as they are getting ready to, to go into the promised land. They have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. But in that time in the wilderness, they had built a tabernacle. In the time in the wilderness, they had received God's word. Of course, they had also experienced, in some ways, God's wrath. Because they were wayward, they complained a lot. God fed them from heaven, manna. After a while, manna was like a manna in the morning, manna in the afternoon, manna at night, manna, manna, manna. Lord, we're tired of manna. 
Oh, you are. You're tired of me feeding you and supplying for you in a place where there was no supply? So then God said, all right, he gave them quail. He said, I'll give you quail until it comes out your nostrils. That sounds like something my mama would say. Boy, I'm going to tell you right now, I'll make you eat that until it comes out your nostrils. I can hear her saying something like that. Remember when Moses was up on the mountain, they, I wonder why, is he ever going to come back? And so remember they took all their gold and they make the golden calf and God's anger was kindled. They learned of God's holiness. Remember God's holy mountain. No one was allowed to step foot on unless God invited them there. There's so much that they had learned. They were like infants and God was teaching them of his anger, of his grace, his mercy, of his ability to supply, supply water where there was no water, supply food where there was no food. The Bible even says that they traveled for 40 years in the wilderness and their clothes never wore out. Man, I'm talking, but you're talking about a favorite pair of shoes. I've had a favorite pair of shoes. Anybody else have a favorite pair of shoes? I got a pair of shoes that I got a pair of boots that I bought when like Jordan was like two, three years old. A pair of Ariat Ropers. I still have them. Love them shoes. Well, Huff, why ain't you wearing them today? Because even a favorite pair of shoes gets old. You know what I'm saying? I put them on from time to time, but I don't wear them every day like I used to. You imagine 40 years? Ladies, can y'all imagine that? 40 years, clothes never well. God done some amazing things. But listen. In chapter 31, there's this announcement that things are going to be changing. There are changes that are coming, and you know what happens with people when change comes. I don't know about you, I, I don't mind, I'm not a guy, I usually say I don't mind change because I work a job where I'm here one day, there, another, I never know where I'm going to be. Sometimes i got my week planned out, and by Monday afternoon, it's shattered. My whole plan is gone. Now i got to rework my plan. I mean, that's just kind of how my life is, you know, between my secular job and this. And, and i kind of used to it, but I found that I still really don't like, I think that I like change. I like changing vehicles. I've had a lot of them, right? like changing that kind of stuff. But you know, it, was, it got chilly one day, and I put on this thing, and I realized that it was from the company that, like two companies ago, and I've had that thing since like 1997 or 98. I'm surprised it still fits, but I still got it. Been using the same meter, got a crack in the lens. I've recorded videos that went out nationally with a broke lens, and they're like, why didn't you get, why do you have that meter? I'm like, it's mine. I like it. Well, they finally got on to me. You got to quit making videos using a broken tool. So I said, okay, well, buy me a new one, and I will. And they did. And it's in the case. I still use my old one. I just don't make videos with it. But I'm so rain man about that that when we do a video, I make Tim use his. I ain't using mine. But I did get a new one just in case mine breaks. You know, I think I'm a person that likes change. I like to experience new things. I like to meet new people, I like to see new places. But there's a lot of things that I hate change in. But change happens to all of us. 
And it can be difficult. And I can imagine our sister here, you imagine getting to work, sell your house. Been there. Change is difficult. And they're getting ready to experience change. And I want to share that with you just for a few minutes. I want to start at verse 1 and read verses 1 through 5. And I want us to just take a look for a few minutes. You see, the things that were changing, Israel's about to experience serious change. After 40 years of wandering through the wilderness, the leadership was changing. Their location was changing. And you know what else? Their list of enemies was going to change and grow. You see, they were getting ready to enter the promised land, the land that God had promised them. Here's the problem. There was somebody else on it. You imagine somebody telling you, here, I got you a place to stay. And you go in and somebody else has already got it. We're like, wait a second. God had promised it to them. But it wasn't going to come without having to walk by faith and do their part. There will be battles. We, the, the, battle, the, the battle of Jericho. And not only did they have to go take the city of Jericho, but they had to do it in a way that seemed crazy. All right, everybody get their weapons together. We're going to take Jericho. No, 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 no. I want you to go down and march around it. What? That's how we're going to take Jericho? We're going to just march around it? Yeah, and I want you to do it for seven days. And then on the seventh day, I want you to do it seven times. And then blow your trumpet. And everything else be taken care of. you imagine getting that news? Under new leadership. See, they had been with Moses. Moses led them to the Red Sea. Then they were like, oh, the Pharaoh's going to get us. But God used his servant, Moses. The waters parted. They walked through on dry ground. They had come to trust Moses. Had a relationship with him. There had been battles that had been won, that had been won as long as Moses held his hands up. Y'all remember that story? His arms started to get tired, and what did they do? They came up and propped his arms up. Because as long as his arms were outstretched up, they were winning. They had been through a lot. And now everything was changing. So let's look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 1, it says, So Moses continued to speak these words to Israel. Remember, Deuteronomy is, is Moses' farewell address. Some people think he did it in kind of three sections. Some people think he just delivered the whole thing. I don't know. It means Moses was most likely long-winded if he did. I like that guy. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and to come in. And the Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. Remember the story of Moses, there was a reason he wasn't going to go over. You see, one time God told him to smite the rock. It hit the rock. And water came out of the rock. The second time Moses was angry at the people. God told him to speak to the rock. But Moses hit it. You're just for that one thing, Moses doesn't go. Listen, I didn't say Moses didn't go to heaven. 
but because of his disobedience. Moses had gone as far as he was going to be allowed to go. Verse 3 says, The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. So they're getting ready to go in. And he says, listen, you're going to dispossess the land. You know what I mean dispossess is? It means you're, you're, a, you know, you're uh, trying to think of what happens when you get kicked out of your apartment. What do they call that? Eviction, thank you so much. This is a group effort, folks. It's a group effort. I forgot to put that word in the notes, okay? They're going to evict these people, and they're not doing it like, you know, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, oh, God gave us this land. You know, if you could just, you know, I'm sure he'll give you some, if you could just kind of, you know, that's not how it was going to go. Moses God's going to go before you, and you're going to dispossess this land. You're going to run these people out. And Joshua is going to be at the head. And then verse 4 says, And the Lord will do to them as he did in Shion and Og and the kings of the Amorites and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. He's saying, listen, Things are going to be different. Moses tell him, I'm old now. I can't go. But listen, you're going to have to go anyway. This is, a, this is a place that God had promised you. You're going to go and you're going to dispossess the land. You're going to evict them. You're going to throw them out. But you're going to have to do it my way. And you're going to do it under new leadership. They're losing their leader. They're going into a new location. And the list of enemies is growing. It's tough. It's tough when you have to go to a new place. It's tough when you go to another place and realize that the, 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 the people who are, are going to hate you because you follow God is growing. If you haven't realized in the world we live in, the list of people who think that we are hateful is growing when simply we want to love folks enough to tell them the truth, that God does have a standard and not everything meets that standard. But unless we are covered by the blood of Jesus, we will not inherit the kingdom. Amen. You cannot live the way you want to live. You cannot do things that you want to do. I don't care if you call it love or anything else. It does not matter. God says this is the way it's going to be. And anybody who does not come under my lordship and allow me to be lord of their life, they will not spend eternity in his presence. What I find interesting, though, is when you ask folks of any variety, do you want to go to heaven? Yes. Well, why would you want to go be somewhere where the one who owns it you hate? We live in a time now where people think, you know, it's all right. I can be a Christian and not have to go to church. Listen, if you do not want to come in God's presence, why would you want to go live with him for eternity? If he's not good enough to come in his presence here and have that time. Listen, I don't know about you, but it's refreshing to be into God's presence around God's people. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to have this for eternity? 
It's going to be amazing. I mean, you think of the best service you've ever been in. I, I don't know about you, but you know, I love every service, and, and, I, and I do believe that God honors His promise that we gather in His name, but you and I both know, if we tell the truth, there have been times where we have been in a service and it just was exceptional, amen? It was just exceptional. It was like the most amazing time, and you're like, why can't we have that every Sunday? Y'all ever remember one of them kind of things? Why well, like it every Sunday? You, look at the, you didn't even look at the clock. Listen, you know the Spirit's there and things are working when the preacher's preaching and you're amening and we're singing and we're worshiping and we're having a good time and people don't even look at the watch. But some of y'all sneaky. Y'all got them Apple watches. All you got to do is flick your wrist. Like quick draw. Mm, 45 minutes already, preacher. How many points did you say you had? Some of y'all count my pages of notes. I have seen you. How many pages he got today? Chris telling the truth. Thank you, brother, for your honesty. Chris be like, how many? I got to be somewhere. What? Brian made a comment one time. Dude. That's what he told me. Dude. You realize you got seven pages? You know it's bad when the screen guy is like, what? That's bad. You realize you got seven pages? Yep. I think this is the longest one ever. Every now and then he'll come and say, you, can't, you were within three minutes of breaking your record. He keeps a record. Don't ever cross him. He knows how long he's memorized this stuff. His memory is amazing. But you know, there's some key things in these verses that we want to pull out. Verses 1 and 2, Moses said that he's old and that he's no longer going to lead. There's going to be new leadership. And sometimes that's difficult. Now listen, I know some of y'all thinking, what's he saying? I ain't going nowhere unless God tells me to. But leadership comes in many ways. You may be under new leadership where you work. Your family, different situations. Leadership comes in many ways. And things change. And it's difficult when we got used to a system. I, I, I like my boss. Well, I, I, I like my boss. I like my boss. I like my boss. I like my boss. For reasons of, I never hear from him. Except on a rare occasion where he wants me to fix something for him. I like that. I like it that he leaves me alone to do my job, and I do my job. And I make sure things are taken care of. It's what I do. But I remember when I went to that new job, and I'm like, man, what's my, what's my new boss going to be like? You see, my old boss, I just tell him, just, I don't, you ever had that relationship with your old boss, and they'd say something, you're like, oh, okay. And just go do what you want anyway. And he thinks it's his idea, and he's happy about it. You ever have one of them bosses? That's what I used to have. And God says, you know what? Your time here is done. I have a new place for you to go. I'm like, man, what's this boss going to be like? And he was a nice guy, but he wasn't like the other guy. I had to learn what this guy liked and how to do things in a way that makes him happy, and, you know, to keep my job. 
young people, it's what you got to do. You actually got to listen to your supervisors and do those kind of things. Losing leaders is difficult or under new circumstances. But listen, verse 3 said this, God will go before them himself. You see, where God's going to lead you, you don't have to worry about these kind of things. Well, what's it going to be like? Listen, it doesn't matter because God's already there. He's leading to you to a place that he's already prepared for you. I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 23. He prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies or before my enemies. You know what he's saying? God provides me even in the midst of people that want to see me fail. God is with me. He leads me and he guides me and I can trust him. He says, God is going before you. And listen, I want you to know that I don't know where you're walking or whether you'll pass changing or what's happening. But I promise you this, you're not going anywhere that God has not already been. He's already paved the path for you. It's already there. And if you'll follow him, there's a lot less stumbling going on. It's when you get off the path. I played golf at a place called Rock Harbor. You everybody ever played golf there? They call it Rock Harbor because there's a lot of rocks. You ever hit a rock with a golf ball? I think one of mine is in outer orbit somewhere. Matter of fact, I want to take Big Sean up there. After what I see him do to a house down there in Logan's Hill, I want to see what he does to a rock. But you know, when you're on the cart path, it's pretty nice. You get off the cart path, and next thing you know, you think you're in some kind of Baja adventure up there, if you know what I'm saying. Stumbling going on. I don't know about you, you ever try to stumble in between two rocks and get yourself? I don't know about you all, but I ain't a professional golfer. So them rules is relaxed around me. I'm... That ain't a stroke. Oh, man, look at that. I guess I'll have to play it over here. I'm just going to tell you to do it. Hey, Sean, look at that. Is that where your ball was? That's where it is now. Who am I to say? Selective memory. But man, you stumble a lot when you get off the path. When you're on the path. We used to have this thing we call cart path golf. You ever heard of that? Where you try to make all your shots near the, gar uh, near the cart path because it was going to get dark. And they're like, look, all right, boys. Cart path golf. Okay, what's that? Make all your shots stay near the, the golf path so we ain't got to get off. And it was uh, cart, uh, cart path only. You know, you weren't allowed to go. And... Yeah, I blew that on the first hole. They're like, Huff, what part of car path did you understand? It wasn't me. It was that golf ball y'all gave me. That's my Adam story. God will go before you. Verse 4, God will do what he's already done to destroy enemies. Let me ask you this. Has God already done something special for you? Now listen, salvation, we just, we, we, if that's all God ever did for you, He's done more than we deserve. But aside from that, let's, let's just table that a minute. Salvation, let's put that over here. That's a given for all those who know Christ. Has God done anything else for you? Has He provided you in ways that you never thought He could? 
Has He brought you through things that you never thought you'd make it through? Has He been there when no one else has been there? Yes. You know what He says? That Listen, here's the deal. God's going to do what He's already done. And I don't know about you, but I could tell you countless stories of just what God has done for me and for my wife. But then if I add in all my friends and family that I know that love Jesus and God has done amazing things for them, listen, we'd be here all day and all night for weeks and months and years to come talking of His greatness. And by the way, why don't we do that? Why don't we talk about His greatness? How, how, why do we always get along, around and talk about what, what ain't going right? And, and that, that includes me. Life is tough sometimes. Sometimes you just got to squeeze them lemons and add a little sugar, amen? The problem is some of you are so sour you don't know what sugar is. Just been sucking on... What's wrong with you? Had lemons today, didn't you? Dad going even Mary Poppins knows better than that. Spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, amen? Huh? Even Mary Poppins got that right. Let me tell you something. When you think about the things going wrong in your life, take a moment to stop. And think about the things that God has done for you in your life. Think about what is right in your life. Isn't that what he's saying here? God's going to do what he's already done in the past. Have you seen God give you victory over other groups of people? Yes. Has God moved you up the ladder? around everyone else and you didn't have to fight for it all you had to do was be faithful at what God has put in front of you I have listen I've been elevated and given jobs to the point that I get paid to be lazy amen I love it as long as I take care of the problems when they come up sometimes I talk to my guys and you know complain about the company every company's got its problems by the way if you're in any kind of company whether it's small or large if you haven't understood at this point that, the, the, that what corporate America is doing is as people leave, they don't replace them, and all they do is make you work harder, it's happening everywhere. Your job's the same as my job. That's what people do. But you know what? I remind myself, my guys all the time, God gave us some gifts when we came over here. And we all make more than we used to. And we've been given things we didn't have at the other place. And so are we going to have to put up with some things? Absolutely. But we are blessed. And I'm thankful I work in a place where I can still say that. We are blessed. In verse 5, he says, God will hand the enemies over to them. Just do as instructed. Think about that. Just do as instructed. God's going to take care of you. He's going to bring you through it. All you got to do is what he says. He says, sell your house, sell your house. Put a sign in the yard. I like that. Didn't even get a realtor. I hope there's no realtors. They take your money. Well, that's how they get paid, right? But listen, when God wants something done, stick a sign in the yard. Do what he tells you. And so then we come to verse 6. I know what you're thinking. You did all that and ain't talked about verse 6 yet? Yeah. But it won't be long. Just want to share a few short things with you. Now that we understand they're in a tough spot, leadership is changing, they're going to go, there are going to be battles. 
There are going to be things that they have to do. It's not going to come without its work. I love what our sister said. We've got to do our part. How many times y'all heard me say that already? Right? We want God to move in our life, but we want him to move while we sit still. That's not how it works. You want God to move, then you start doing what he's given you to do. Listen, don't be like the, uh, don't be like the, I like to call it state road people. <clears throat> when I was growing up, we'd always make fun of the state road people. Because there's always one guy working and three guys holding shovels, looking at the guy working. Anybody ever seen that along the road? And you're all mad because you've been waiting in that single file line for that stop sign to turn to go, right? There's that one guy up there with the walkie-talkie. Yeah, got three cars backed up here. Psh. Okay, hang on, we're on break. It's what it feels like, right? You get behind the stop sign, it's lunch break time. And there you are, waiting and waiting. I don't know about you, but it was a long while before I got a vehicle that had air conditioning in it. You all know what I'm saying? You remember the wing glass? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, baby. We used to call it 265. Two windows going 65 miles an hour. Problem was, I got caught doing that in the 35. Don't do that. And listen, when you tell the officer it was hot in here, he don't care. Sitting there, you can see the vapor-looking thing coming off the asphalt. It's so hot. And they just sitting there with a stop sign. Are they ever going to turn that thing? And then when they finally turn it to go, and it's your turn, and you pull out in that other lane, and you're putting along because like, they keep doing this. I wish the guys that were doing this would do this. And you ride by, and there's one guy working. Three other guys holding. What? I waited 20 minutes with no air conditioning, and three guys are holding shovels. <coughs> and not even using them. God will do great things in your life. Do as instructed. Don't be sitting around waiting. I don't know about you, but we used to take break at work back when I was installing heat and air conditioning. We'd sit around and we'd take a break. All right, guys, let's take a break. And you know why we said, all oh, guys, let's take a break? Because you don't want to be the one guy sitting there while somebody else is working because it makes you feel bad. Well, sort of. It makes you feel bad for him. Right? Like, boy, you're breaking a sweat. Come over here and sit down, on it. So when everybody's sitting, you feel better about it. But then who's going to be the first guy to get up and break the break? You know what I'm saying? Who's going to be the first guy to get up? All right, boys, it's time to get back to work. We'll be looking at each other. Well, if you all sitting, I'm sitting. And you got to wait for somebody to finally make the move. All right, we got to go. Don't be sitting around waiting for God. God, all right, when you start to move and I'll go. Listen, he already moved. God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He already made the first move, folks. Start moving. But this is why. You see, verse 6. Verse 6 tells them about their attitude. It talks about having the right mindset and the right attitude and the things that we need to remember as God moves in our life. And I'll share them with you quickly. Number one, he said, be strong. That's what verse 6 says. Be strong and courageous. Now listen, this word strong, when you go to the original uh, Hebrew, as you guys know, I, I, I kind of like that. I like to go back and look at the original words used because sometimes other languages are, are a bit more descriptive. And this one's very descriptive. 
It's a, it's a word called Kozak. But listen, it's, it not, doesn't mean just about being strong, but it means to, to fasten upon and to seize with strength and to be strong. Listen, he's saying, grab a hold. And you know what we need to do? We need to grab a hold of God with all that we are. You see, a lot of times we want to we wanna grab onto God. I don't know if you ever tried to hang from the monkey bars with one hand. There are some people that could do that, like them American Ninja Warrior people. You ever seen them hanging from one hand? Listen, a fat kid in second grade can't do that. It was second grade before I could finally hold on to two monkey bars and not fall because my weight exceeded the strength in my arms. And I was finally strong enough in second grade that, that I could do the monkey bars. You know, you have two hands and you got to reach out and grab the next bar. Yeah. Y'all remember that? And it was second grade before I could finally hold enough of this with this to let go with this and grab the next bar. Up until then, as soon as I let go of one hand, there it was. There, just look, fat huff down again. I may got to be where, let's go play on the monkey bars. Uh-uh. Why? I can't do it. Problem is, there wasn't nowhere to go for a fat kid. Don't try to seesaw one time. You know you're fat when it takes two other kids on the other side to level the thing. You know how hard it is to be a fat kid and try to talk two other people to get on a seesaw so you can seesaw together? Listen, I didn't get to seesaw until I got to sixth grade and lost some weight. It was hard for a kid. It was tough. But see, a lot of times, we're only holding on with one hand. And this other hand, we want free in case something else comes along that we want to grab. You know what he's saying? Grab on with all that you are. Fasten yourself to Almighty God. Kozak. Grab a hold with all that you are and don't let go. You ain't got to hang with one hand because let me tell you something. After a while with hanging one arm, you know what? That arm's going to get fatigued. And one of these days you're going to grab a hold of something that's just going to grab your attention and pull you away from all the wonderful things God has planned for you. Grab a hold. That's what my grandfather was said. He had a T at the end. Grab a hold. See, y'all spell it wrong. You got that D, grab a hold. Grab a hold just don't quite sound as attic as we need to be today. In the words of my dearly departed grandfather, Charlie Schaefer himself, I could see him now saying, son, I'm where I long to be. And I'm in his presence. You know what I would want for you today? I'd want you to grab a hold with all that you are. And don't you let go for anything else. Because there is nothing in this world that's worth grabbing a hold to that will take you away from the presence and the leadership of Almighty God and His Holy Spirit in your life. There is nothing else in this life worth laying hold to except for that which God ordains. Grab a hold. He says, and be courageous. By the way, in Deuteronomy 11 uh, verse 8 and 9, it says, You shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I command you today, that you may be strong. 
and go take possession of the land that you are going over to possess, that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them and to their offspring a land flowing with milk and honey. When it says there that you may be strong, he tells us how to be strong. He tells us how to lay a hold. How do you lay a hold of God and hang on? Listen, you know what you do? You grab all that he is and all that he says to do and all that he commands and you let that be the most important thing and the only thing. In your life. You see, his commandments, it tells us how to be married, it tells us how to live, it tells us how to work, it tells us how to interact with other people, it even tells us how to interact with non believers. Listen, God's word gives us all that we need, and if we do it, every aspect of our life will be blessed. Oh, it doesn't mean that we won't go through troubles, but we'll not let them troubles turn us around. Grab a hope. Be courageous. The primitive root word means to be alert, physically on foot or mentally encourage. Think about that. Grab a halt and keep this in shape. Oh, listen, this may get out of shape. But this is important, right? You see, he's saying to grab a halt, but protect your mind and strengthen it. Being courageous is about being alert in our mind and having the courage. You see, courage is not a physical thing. Courage is a mental thing. You see, courage is when people ignore the fact that there's a fire and they go in it to get a hold of somebody. Other people in their right mind run away from a fire. Courage allows us to go into the fire and trust that our equipment will keep us in the time of a trouble. It's about having our mind prepared. We see in God's Word in Hebrews, it tells us to have this mind new which is in Christ Jesus. It tells us to do by the renovating of our mind. It means we got to throw out our old way of thinking and the way that the world thinks because the world, listen, all the world is wants is to have power. People will gather together in a group and see who can make the most noise and whoever can get the most power and the most attention and draw it to themselves so that they have the upper hand. If you don't think that's what's going on today, then you are absolutely fooled. It's not because these people care about everybody else. They keep adding extra letters on some of these things. LBGTQ plus minus all these other kinds. Why? Because, they, listen, oh, you come over to our group, we're going to have the power, and we are going to set the standard, and it's going to be what we want, and we'll live in our world and our utopia, but we realize today that the world is going to fall flat because it's built on nothing but sinking sand. That's all that's there. You see, courage is something that we're going to have to have, folks. If you haven't noticed that in our country, in our land, leadership is changing. The land we live in is changing. We've been able to walk free and tell people that we love Jesus. While there's other people in other countries that would lose their head and have it separated from their shoulders for saying such a thing. Listen, you don't think it can't get bad? Look at the Middle East and see what's going on. We're headed there. There is a hatred toward those who will hold the standard of Almighty and Holy God. Things are changing. Leadership is changing. 
our list of enemies is growing. In this land, it will not surprise me if within the next five to ten years, holding fast to God's word will be condemned as hate speech. If we don't twist it and contort it to try to include behaviors that are contrary to God's word. It's coming. It'll be here in a town near you very soon. It's already in the works. There's already other areas and liberal cities that's trying to insert these kind of verbiage. By the way, we also must remember, don't just key in on one thing. That's what we, that's what we typically do. And we've seen this, especially uh, there was a movement in the 80s. Um, when you go back, and I, and I won't get in deep into that. If you ever wanted to talk about it, I, you know, I'll sit down and discuss it. There were, there were certain preachers that were high profile, and, and they were condemning, and, and rightly so, condemning certain things, but they were keying in on certain things. At the time, it was things like Larry Flint and those kind of folks, if you know what I'm saying, and I think that it's a lot safer to use with kids in the room. But the likes of him, if you're not sure who that is, and look it up. But there was this movement, and I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot legislate morality. Legislation is for the one who gets the most votes, who can get the law to go their way. You see, when we think about laws, we think about it when we look at God's law, which is about being right with God. Man's laws may have started out that way. But now man's laws are about getting the popular vote. And as the amount of Christians in America shrinks, with that will be also the influence that we have in places like government. If we don't speak out with courage. Courage is about having your mind set in the right way. That listen, I will not view things with my eyes. I will view things in a way that I will listen to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says go into the fire, we must go into the fire. He says be strong, be courageous, be alert mentally, condition your minds with the Word of God and with praying and listening to God. Again, I tell you all the time, listen, listen twice as long as you speak. We go into prayer and we tell, we give them our list of things that we want fixed, and then we end it. How often do we sit in silence and allow Him to speak to us? Some of us don't know what God's voice sounds like because we never listen to it. All oh, we are too busy talking. You ever met a person like that? I remember one time trying to change a subject. And so I remember this person just kept talking, and I tried to, you know. Tried to interject, you know, and tried to help them, and they just kept talking. And finally, I was like, I saw a purple dinosaur. Never even heard of me. Kept on talking. They took a breath. I saw a purple dinosaur. I, inject, I mean, listen, they, they took a breath. I had a small window. And I said, I saw a purple dinosaur just to see if you know what? I was, that's what I was, I was hoping what happened. You saw what? Never heard it. Just kept on talking. I'm like, well, they aren't interested in hearing wisdom. They're just interested in letting out their frustration, which I just sat there and listened at that point. Because that's all they really, they wanted somebody to hear. They didn't want somebody to help. And I think sometimes we treat God that way. We just want him to listen, 
but we're not really interested in what he has to say to us. And when that happens, folks, we'll wonder why we're not getting blessed. Well, now you know. In Isaiah 41, starting at verse 10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. This word strengthen here, guess what? Same root word that we see in courage. It's the same root word in the Hebrew. It's, it's translated as courage in one place, and it could also be used for strength. It's the same root word. Psalms 27, 14, it says, Wait for the Lord and be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Don't let go of Him. Say, you know what, sometimes we think God's not moving, but He's really at work. It's just because we don't see it. Because we don't see it, we don't think anything's happening. You ever looked at the end of a long hose and wonder, why ain't this thing got no water coming? And then when just about you think, oh, I'm going to go figure this thing out. Water hits you in the eye. It's moving. It just takes time. God's always at work. Sometimes we just have to patiently wait. Psalms 31, verse, starting at verse 23 and 24, says, Love the Lord, all you His saints. The Lord preserves His faithful and abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage. All you who wait for the Lord. Sometimes having courage is about conditioning in our mind to understand and believe that at those moments that we think God is not at work, He is at work and God loves us and He is for us. God is for you. And then it says, do not fear or be in dread of them. This word fear is a word that, you know, um, it's about revere. It's about being in awe. You know, we think of the word awesome and people use it for everything, right? Dude, that's awesome. That's really a word that we should, we should really reserve that for God himself because in the scriptures we see this word that, that is translated, it's afrox, but, but it's translated to, to be fear or in dread, to revere. The problem is, is when we're afraid, we're revering the problem bigger than the one who we know can bring us through the problem. You see, when we're fearful of something other than God, what we're doing is we're saying that the power that this thing has in our life is bigger than the God that is present in my life because I am in awe of the problem instead of being awe of the one who can deal with the problem who has the power to do it when I can't. That's what happens when we're scared of things, folks. We are revering and we're in awe of the thing when that should be reserved for Almighty God alone. Jesus said this, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear, fear him who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. He's talking about himself. Almighty God. By the way, the word used there for fear in the Greek is 
phobia or phobeo, which is the root word of phobia, right? Arachnophobia is fear of spiders. We, we put that after a lot of other things. We, whatever it is, and then phobia at the end it means we're scared of it. I don't know about you. I revere God, but whew, snakes get real close to that too. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I'll let a whole lot of things rattle me, but snakes rattle me. I'm like, Lord, I trust you, but mm, you're going to have to show me something big here soon. I don't like me no snakes. Listen, I don't care what it is. Garter snake, just might as well be a cobra. <laughs> People like black snakes, don't kill them. They keep copperheads away. I don't want neither. I got a shotgun. I blow all of them up. I don't care what they is. They have a snake. If it got tongue goes out like that, it's gone. Out of here. Listen, I once shot a rubber snake, okay? That's just the way it is. I revere them. Not as much as God, but you're getting close. But I love the last part of the, the verse. He says, it is the Lord your God who goes with you. You're not going with anybody else. You ever been with somebody else that promised to be with you and promised to be right there? I remember me and my cousin driving. We had to drive down to Tennessee one time. He said, oh, if I go with you, I'll keep you awake. Shoot. Didn't get past Winchester on 81. <laughs> what? I'm like, dude. What? You sp you, you're riding with me to keep me awake. Your snoring does not count. My bad, man. I'm a little tired. Promised me he would be there with me. By the way, have you noticed in this scripture, Lord is all capitals? When you see Lord in all capitals, it means that's the national name Jehovah that the Jews, because remember, they wouldn't say Yahweh, but it's like a variation of that. They would call it Jehovah. We have a J there, but it's pronounced with a Y. Jehovah. It's his, it's his name known in the nation of Israel. So it's not like, you know, it's not like that guy will be with you. It's like naming him so that there is absolutely no doubt who Moses is talking about here. Yahweh, Yehovah. In this particular case, Yehovah Elohim. Be with you. I want you to remember that, folks. As you walk through this life, you're not alone. As you go through change, you're not alone. Now, sometimes this is easy to say. Like, Huff, that's easy to say, but you're not. Listen, I understand that. I didn't say it'd be easy, but I just want to remind all of us because I've had to be reminded this last year that it is Jehovah, Almighty God, the I am that I am is walking with me. I have no reason to fear anyone but God himself. I should not allow reverence to be upon anything the way that I reverence God because he is almighty. Psalms 27, look what the psalmist says. It says, the Lord, by the way, all caps in this scripture as well because he's naming him specifically. 
Yahweh is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Why? Because it is Yahweh who goes with me. And I am in awe of His ability and His love and His power because there is no other like Him. And then He gives us this little way to just cap it all up. He will not leave you or forsake you. You see, it's not my perfection that keeps God in my life. Because I'm not that. It's not my ability and it's not my talent. And it's not even my willingness. It's because He is God and He is for me. And He loves me and I've made Him Lord of my life. Does that make me perfect? No, but He is. And one day I will stand before Almighty God and I will be covered by the covering of perfection because of what Jesus did on the cross. It is His righteousness that will cover me and it will count me as one of His. Not because of what I have done, because of what God has done done for me. He will not leave me nor forsake me. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew, at the end of the Matthew, uh, as he gives out the, uh, what we consider the, the, um, the great commission, I will be with you even to the end. He says, go therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What is the end of the age for you? I don't know what, I don't know what it is for me. It may be to the end of the age when He breaks through in the portals of glory and I get to see Him and behold Him come through the clouds. Listen, I, 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 don't, I didn't even ask her, but Mary was talking about it. She saw this cloud. She goes, you should have seen this cloud that I saw the other day. It was amazing. And I think one day the world's going to look up and they're going to see something like they've never seen before because Jesus is coming back and we will behold Him and we will love Him and He's coming to get His own. So listen, the end of the age may be when we see Him break through the portals of glory or the end of the age may be when they lay me out and I'm gone from this world and I'm separated my soul from this flesh and I'll go to be home with Him and no longer walk by faith but be able to see Him and behold Him. I don't know what the end of the age is for you or for me, but listen, I know whatever it is, He'll go with me even until the end. He will not leave me. He will not abandon me. He will not forsake me. I don't know about you, but there's some things that come along in my life, as I'm sure it does in yours, that I'll be glad when the end of this is done. Sometimes we want the end to be closer. Because I don't know how long I can walk like this. I don't know how long I can live like this. I don't know how long, how long I can go every day with pain. I don't know how long I can do it. But listen, I know however long it takes. He is with me. 
He will be with me even until the end of this age. Whenever this is all done, I guarantee you, listen, there will never be a day, there will never be a minute, there will never be a month, and there will never be a moment where God has left me. He will be with me even until the end. Whenever that is, it's for Him to say, I gave my life to Him. He said, if you give me your life, I'll give you life everlasting. Listen, I handed over this whole sinful life, and with it I received eternity and a promise that I would go home and be with Him in glory someday. And I'm looking for that day. I don't know about you, but listen, I, I every day I'm listening, I'm a day closer, and I don't know how long I'll have to live in the pain. I don't know how long I'll have to live with the difficulty and the discouragement. But listen, however long it is, and however long He's decreed, I can promise you this, He will be with you. Even until the end. I had all these takeaway points, but I, I was going, I'm going to leave you with this. There's an old song in your hymnals. I marked mine. I, I, I was going to sing this song, but I just don't think that could happen at the moment. But I want to read you the words of this old hymn. I grew up thinking that the first verse was actually the chorus of the song. And the second verse was, yeah, the only verse. But it says, when my way grows drear, precious Lord, linger near. When my life is almost gone, hear my cry and hear my call. Hold my hand, lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me home. And then they get to what I thought was the course. Precious Lord, take my hand and lead me home. Let me stand. I am tired. I am weak and I am old. Through the storms, through the night, lead me home. To the light, take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. That song was written by Thomas Andrew Dorsey, who was a black man born in 1899 in Georgia. I imagine his life was pretty tough. Growing up down there in the Delta, and when he was about 11 years old, they moved to Atlanta. And Thomas Dorsey had fallen in love with the blues. Became a great musician. And when he became an adult, he moved up to Chicago and led a band in a speakeasy owned by Al Capone. But I believe it was about 1926 or something, If I, I forgive me on the date, that he decided to go to a, a Baptist convention. And there the Lord dealt with him. And he surrendered his heart to Jesus Christ. Still living in a, in a place where, you know, at least he was a musician and they must have had some kind of value for entertainment purposes, but life still in no way easy for a black man growing up in that age. 
And he started to write gospel songs. And he tried to sell them and they wouldn't sell. And he, he, had, he, had, he had borrowed $5 from somebody to send out a song that he had written. By the way, one of the songs was one of Elvis Presley's favorites. There will be peace in the valley for me someday. So finally, some of his songs started to sell, and he had traveled, and he was leading a, a gospel band at an event, and he got a telegram. And the telegram said this, your wife has passed. So a friend drove him through the night to get home, only to find out when he got home, not only his wife had passed, but his baby boy too. He was heartbroken. Why did this happen? He was just looking for something to ease his pain. God started to stir his heart. And that song that we just read was a song that he sat down in the room of his friend's house and just listened. And he started to hear the melody and God started to feed these words to him. Take my hand, precious Lord. I wonder what it was like when he got to that part where my weight grows drear. Precious Lord, linger near. Sometimes God's presence is all. It's all that can even help. But I promise you, He will. And He does. Now what I may be going through in life may be so much easier than what you're going through. It's hard to measure pain, ain't it? You know them hospitals, they got that rating system. From one to ten, what's your pain like? I sat with my dad and the doctor. My dad's hands, his knuckles are all big. And that muscle right here is all gone. He's got a big divot right here. And his knuckles are all big from where he'd been banging on ductwork all of his life. If you've ever banged ductwork, you know that your hands take so much abuse from the hammer, just constantly beating. There's a shock that happens. Carpenters have it too. After gripping a hammer all those years and beating on stuff, your body just takes so much abuse. His hands are hurting so bad. But I remember the I remember looking at the doctor. The doctor asked my dad. He said, one to ten, what do you think your pain is? And another thing about banging duck all your life is you can't hear. And my dad said, what do you think? He said, and I, I yelled at him in his ear, one to ten, how bad is the pain? He said, son, pain ain't got a number. And I looked at the doctor and I was like, there you have it. I don't know what they teach you in medical school, but apparently my old pops knows a little bit of something. Pain don't have a number.
It just hurts, doesn't it? Remember the movie Roadhouse? Patrick Swayze, he's tough in that movie. That doctor asked him, you must like pain. You know what he said? Pain don't hurt. Dumbest line I've ever heard in my entire life. Because pain hurts. I can't put a number on it, can you? You know what I find? There are some people that can't, can't deal with a hangnail. Get a paper cut and want to go to the emergency room for stitches. You know what I'm saying? Everybody ever run in one of them? I mean, my sister was like, God bless her. Listen, she deals with pain every day, uh, broken back, broken vertebrae. She does it. But when she was growing up with a kid, one of his kids, that girl was the toughest girl. She beat up boys all the time. It was awesome. She was my big sister. And they didn't mess with me because my sister would just straight out flog them. But Lord, have mercy if she got sick. Everybody in the house knows. My dad got sick or hurt. You never heard a word. Some people's threshold for pain is different. So how can you measure those things? You can't. I just know this. It hurts. But God knows how it hurts. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. There ain't no number one to ten system. Because after a while with dealing pain all the time, your five may be somebody else's 12. But God knows. The psalmist said this, are not my tears in a bottle? Does God not know every tear? He's near to the brokenhearted. I don't know what it is that you're going through, but listen, I can tell you this, grab a hold condition this to follow him and remember he goes before you there ain't no place you're going that he ain't already been and he'll be beside you all the way would you stand